0: RootslandNation.com We're your culture. Culture. Culture.
1: Culture. 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 culture 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 Thanks again, Brother Nelson.
0: Yeah, Brother Henry. Little Brian, welcome back to Kingston. But I have to warn you, uh huh. Things get tough since the last time you were here. These gunmen, they kill everyone now.
1: Oh that's great.
0: They don't care about anyone. Yeah. Amazing people
2: are like that. You know, them all the same, you know.
1: You better be careful out there.
2: Hey, anyway, listen, listen. Hold this, and you keep the change. No, Brian, that's that's too much. You don't have to give me so much. What do you mean, too much?
1: Oh, yeah, Brother Nelson's a godly man, of course.
2: Yeah, you better hold on to that, because in a couple weeks, we're going to be broke.
1: No, actually, Brian, I think you're going to be broke. I think I'll be okay.
2: You know, man, I'm not a big spender on here, you know?
1: Oh, I know you.
2: Wow. The guy's right, your' governed
1: Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. Brother Nelson dropped us off at Solid Agency, headquartered out of a townhouse off Hope Road, not far from the Bob Marley Museum, former home and spiritual refuge to the late reggae king. Back in the day, when Marley turned up to live on this quiet uptown street, it shook up the whole block. But decades later, in Kingston's rapidly growing suburbs, dreadlock residents are commonplace as are the vibrant, blended families that occupy newly built apartment blocks and gated townhomes. The island's ever-evolving middle class was clocking in overtime, juggling multiple jobs for the opportunity to live in these safe residential areas that were previously reserved for the island's old money. Late afternoon ushered in the sound of laughing children in school uniforms as they descended from their buses, Some jumped into the arms of awaiting parents, while others drifted away in small cliques, headed toward the local shops and fast food restaurants. While they crossed, frustrated commuters blew their horns in the clogged traffic. Their muffled honking, barely audible due to the music blaring from the idling vehicles. It was a potpourri of clashing bass lines from competing auto sound systems. And caught in the middle, the ever-present Higglers marching to the beat. Street soldiers selling newspapers, air fresheners, and phone chargers. Their voices ringing and riding the reggae rhythms as they relentlessly pushed their wares. Kingston has always been an ambitious city. And no individual represented this town, and everything it was striving to be, better than the woman whose office we were about to enter. Sharon Burke, the director of her newly formed Solid Agency, a music management and promotion company. Sharon was an outlier in a male-dominated and highly sexist Jamaican industry, a female power player with a knack for cutting through the BS, and a tendency to put her male colleagues in place, if needed. It was by no accident Miss Burke was able to rise to her position of prominence as one of reggae and dancehall's privileged gatekeepers. She had spent years working as part of Synergy Productions, the team that organized and produced the annual Reggae Sunsplash concert in Montego Bay, a major music festival that for one week brought in tens of thousands of fans from all over the world to celebrate Jamaican music and culture. Five days and nights of top-tier live reggae accompanied by sweet, savory street foods, gourmet Sense Amelia, and friendships that lasted long after the show. The festival also injected tens of millions of dollars of foreign currency into the Jamaican economy, an important revenue source for the island's second city, Montego Bay, especially since the concert took place in summer, after the busy tourist season. Sunsplash organizers like Sharon developed clout and special relationships with government officials and the executives at the island's major corporations that helped sponsor the event. Contacts she was able to rely on to help her consolidate power within the Jamaican music industry. But for Sharon, Jamaica was just the beginning. As the talent coordinator for Sunsplash, Sharon was one of the most sought-after individuals for record companies and artists wanting to grace the high-profile festival stage. Many artists willing to forego their usual fees. And in some cases, even willing to pay to play. Not to mention that every year the show's highlight was an international night that featured A-list celebrities and entertainers from all over the world. They were lining up just to hang out or perform for a global audience of music connoisseurs and influencers. And when these singers and record labels came to the island... Like P. Diddy, Wycliffe Jean, Pharrell, their point person in Jamaica, their liaison, their fixer, was Sharon Burke. And before Reggae Sunsplash completed its historic run as one of the most high-profile music festivals in tours in history, Sharon's Rolodex was filled with the names of politicians, CEOs, celebrities, singers. Oh yeah, and me and Brian... When Brian called her from New York and told her we were moving to Jamaica, I didn't even think she remembered who we were. We both met her during Sunsplash, when she was at her busiest. Things were so manic, she'd forget what she'd say mid-sentence. She had told Brian to check her when we got to town, and not to book any place to stay until we did. That made me nervous. To Sharon Burke, Brian and I were pretty much nobodies. But she was a progressive woman, and she knew that sometimes nobodies become somebodies.
0: Brian, Henry, come in and have a seat. I'm gonna call right now.
1: So here we were on her doorstep, suitcases in hand, and nowhere else to go.
0: Hey, June, get them some water. Sorry, Mikey, I have some guests in from New York, but I really want Red Stripe to sponsor our Christmas show. Listen, I'm going to send the proposal over to your office and I'll call you back later to follow up. Okay, Mikey. Thank you. Speak to you later.
1: I'm not really sure what was going on upstairs, but the first floor of her townhouse was set up as an office, sparsely furnished with a few desks and some patio chairs arranged around the living room area. There were cordless phones connected to landlines that in turn were attached to the ears of Sharon's assistants, who seemed to be permanently on hold file cabinets had stacks of papers and promotional material. The walls plastered with posters and various headshots of her artists. Hanging front and center behind Sharon's desk, a press photo of a good-looking fresh-faced young entertainer. He was clad in gold rings and a black suit with shoulder pads. It was Papa San, one of Jamaica's hottest toasters, or DJs as they were now called. Not to be confused with disc jockeys that spun records. These DJs are rapid fire rappers that surfed syncopated drum beats in hardcore patois with the skill and finesse of elite athletes. And when I say rapid fire, I mean rapid fire. <laughs> Papasan was the best of the best. He was the lead artist in Sharon's growing stable, her anchor. In the decades since Yellow Man brought his style of dancehall DJing to the world, Papasan was one of a new generation that helped elevate it to an art form. A fact that his loyal manager Sharon was always ready to point out.
0: Hi Sylvia, it's Sharon. Did you listen to Papasan's new song? Well, what do you think? Of course it's a hit. You really need to sign Papa San to Atlantic Records. What do you mean? You can't compare Papa San to Shaba. Papa San is so much more talented. He has cleaner lyrics and he's way better looking than Shaba. Come
1: on. Papa San please. had become a legendary performer in the Jamaican music scene thanks to his clashes with fellow DJ Lieutenant Stitchy. These were lyrical battles that took place once a year on Boxing Day at a completely out of control stage show in Kingston named Sting that more resembled a championship wrestling match than a music event. It was organized and promoted by a powerful, notorious bad boy police officer named Inspector Lang, the Vince McMahon of Dancehall, who openly espoused and encouraged these clashes among the performers at his show. Dancehall clashes were the predecessor to rap battles, where opponents would go face-to-face, mono-to-mono, song-for-song against each other with the audience being the ultimate judge and jury. At times, it would get so heated, it would come to fists. And that was in the crowd. Blaine.
0: Blaine. Blaine. Flash me with Send a for,
1: Performers with names like Bounty Killer, Ninja Man, Merciless, built their careers clashing at Sting, in front of 50,000-plus avid dancehall enthusiasts. An audience known to work themselves up into such a frenzy, they would fire off gunshots and discharge weapons as a sign of approval and adoration for their favorite DJs and singers. On the other hand, disappoint the crowd, and more than likely, you'd get hit with projectiles, like stones or bottles. Being bottled by an angry mob practically became a rite of passage for most Jamaican performers. Makes the Oscar slap seem mild. But Brian and I understood that this was our new world and we'd have to find a way to balance our love and admiration for old school roots reggae and this new energy that dancehall brought to the game. Undeniable and infectious and everyone wanted a piece of the action.
0: Okay, Henry. Brian, tell me now what brings you guys to Jamaica and how long you plan on staying?
1: Well, Sharon, it was Brian that really inspired the trip and I don't think we have a deadline. Until we hit or the money runs out? What do you think, Brian? I
2: mean, I've been singing with my band in Colorado, Rizla. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of hoped to come down here and practice and, you know, work on my skills and get in the studio when I'm ready. And, uh, you know, Henry, he helps co-write and, you know, he's been producing songs.
1: And uh, That's true. I've been helping out with the writing and production. But we'd really like to connect with the right team here. The right producers.
2: And I was thinking maybe, you know, he could get
1: old old Brian, <laughs> sorry Sharon, that's that's Brian's bad Papa song imitation.
0: And Brian, do you sing or DJ? What kind of style do you have?
2: I mean, I probably I sound, you know, like my sound is kind of like Pinchers or, you know, tennisaw or so it's more of a sing J. Yeah, Brian loves pinchers. Yeah, like like a like a pincher style, like. It's gotta be me. It's gotta be me. It's gotta be that I've been just baking at your cherry tree. You know, or like, hey girl, I'ma tell you me love ya. You are sweet out of tooth in the area. What a DJ them say. I say me love you. I feel on every day. You know, something like that.
0: Wow, Brian, you have some talent. you You really just need to develop your own style, but you sound good, man.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm here. I don't, you know, I don't want to be some gimmick for a record label. Like I I want to make meaningful music and, you know, like roots music, like something, you know, that means something. I mean, there's enough slackness imitators out there banging out noise anyway. I want to make real I want music. To make, real I want music. To make real music. Make real, real
0: music. Jerome, get Mr. Williams, the manager of the window on the line. All right, guys, I'll arrange the room. What else do you need?
1: I guess Brian passed the audition because Sharon got on the phone and booked us a room at one of Kingston's nicest hotels, the Wyndham, for a local rate. I never knew it at the time, but Jamaican hotels, tour operators, and even some businesses had two separate prices, one for local residents, the majority of which earn under $50 U.S. a week at minimum wage, and one for tourists like myself and Brian. Although we weren't tourists, if we had checked into the Wyndham on our own, we'd be paying over a thousand dollars a week. But thanks to Sharon, we were only paying twenty-five dollars a night.
2: Yo, Jerome, can you uh, can you pull over at Hot Pots for some food? Sounds
1: good. I'm starving. For some good
2: Jamaican food. Rice on peas and ackee and saltfish.
1: Not for ackee and saltfish. Anyway, on the way to the Wyndham, Brian asked Sharon's business partner, Jerome was driving us if we could make a quick stop at the hot pot restaurant. It was on Altamont Court, right behind the back entrance of the hotel. The hot pot was known for having the best down-home cooking in town, with their specialties like curried goat, oxtail, brown stew fish, all served with boiled yams, bananas, and dumplings, and of course their rice and peas. And when Jamaicans say peas, what they mean to us are kidney beans which has always been the source of confusion for Americans eating at Jamaican restaurants. Double-parked taxis line the exterior of the restaurant. Anxious drivers stop and chat before grabbing their meals to go, and embarking into the hostile Kingston night, armed only with a box of their favorite comfort food and the sound of a gravelly-voiced dispatcher on their two-way. I learned from living in New York City that if you really want to find the best meal for the price eat where taxi drivers do. Any food safe enough to eat prior to a 12-hour shift has been vetted enough for me. Although, I do feel sorry for any passengers that may not like the smell of leftover curry goat in a box on the front seat.
0: So, Mr. Brian and Mr. Henry, you'll be staying in room 1037, overlooking the pool. Remember, the breakfast buffet is served from 7 o'clock a.m. until 10 o'clock a.m., Enjoy
1: your stay, gentlemen. gentlemen. I admit I was skeptical when Brian told me that Sharon would find us a decent place to stay within our budget. I was expecting a three-star at best, with musty carpets and a clanking window box AC unit. So imagine my surprise and delight with the view from a 10th floor balcony of the new Kingston Wyndham, overlooking an Olympic-sized swimming pool with adjoining tiki bar. I could see all the way from the rooftops and palm trees of the St. Catherine suburbs to the steel cranes at the Kingston Harbour. Nighttime descended on the city. Down below, swirling colors reflected up from the swimming pool's embedded lights. Waiters in white shirts and black ties were lighting the candles on the tables of guests as they were being seated. There were tourists, businessmen, married couples, families, relaxing to the gentle Caribbean grooves, played by a three-piece mento band in matching floral shirts. I wondered how many of the diners knew exactly what was happening on those city streets. I'm sure all of the waiters did.
2: This is so awesome, man. Can you believe this is
1: $150 a week? Well, you don't hear me complaining, do you, Brian?
2: Hey, Henry, I'm gonna go hit the road, man. And look a spliff.
1: Oh, dude, are you serious? come with me? Oh, no way. I'm exhausted. I don't think I can handle what's outside that security gate tonight. No way. Not tonight.
2: That's exactly what I am looking for, man. I want to get out of this place and go explore a little bit. But all right, you get some sleep and, uh, you know, we'll
1: get to work. Okay, remember, be careful. Remember what Brother Nelson said. Things have changed since the last time we've been to town.
2: Isn't that what makes life interesting? Nothing stays the same. Yeah, don't worry yourself, Henry. Everything good. Everything good.
1: My first morning in Kingston, I woke up to the sound of cartoons and giggling children and the smell of Akin's saltfish mixed with pungent marijuana smoke. I looked up to see two youth seated at a small table at the foot of the bed, their heads buried in styrofoam takeout boxes of food.
0: Good
2: morning, sir. Good
1: morning, guys. How's breakfast? Yes,
2: sir. The food tastes good, sir. Okay. Thank
1: you. Glad to hear it. When Brian heard my voice, he sprung out from the balcony, with a big spliff and a green coconut, with a straw poking through the hole in top.
2: Wake up, man! Yo, Henry, get out of bed, man! You never, you never guess who I ran into.
1: No, I, I probably wouldn't. Who's that? Yes, Henry, the right time cop. Rude boy, Tex. I shoulda known. What's going on, Tex?
2: Everything, Chris. Yo, Henry, you're not gonna believe this, dude. Tex runs all a New Kingston now. He's the don. Whoa, look at you, Tex. Rude boy on the rise, huh? Congrats. Yeah, he controls that stall over by Kentucky Fried Chicken. When you get ready, come meet us on the corner. Anyway, come out there, man. Let's let's make some plans. We got to bust out of this Babylon Hotel, man. This is so lame. Find a new place. Yes, my youth. Dude, we are so going to
1: run this Rosklot town. Hey, Bri, you know, in this town, we should learn to walk we before to we walk. run anything. Brian led the posse into the hallway, barefoot, still holding the coconut, with Rude Boy Tex right in tow. The two kids took their time, made sure the lids on the boxes were closed properly before scrambling out the door. They weren't going to let any of that food go to waste. A nice
0: day, Mr. Hey, Mr. Hey, Mr. Hey.
1: It was like a hurricane just passed through the room. I thought it was a dream until I stepped out on the balcony and saw Texas Calling Card on the patio table. An empty bottle of red-striped beer and a half-smoked spliff. The so-called breakfast of gangsters. What were they saying about checking out of here? I was about to take a swim and have a frozen fruit punch by the pool. Distant, protected from the chaos right outside my door. And evidently, inside as well. Yet, deep down I knew, it was this very chaos that brought us to Jamaica. This unpredictable, indescribable energy that radiates from the downtown gullies and trenches to the hilltop mansions and estates, none of which were visible on this particular morning through the misty fog that covered the city. The heat of the sun would soon burn that off. In a few hours, Kingston would be hot. Kingston would be red hot.
0: Rootsland Podcast is produced by Henry Kane, association
2: with Vicebox Studios.
0: Remember to like, share, and subscribe, and please support our show by downloading the Rootsland original soundtrack, available on Amazon, iTunes, or wherever you purchase music. So join the Roots gang on Rootsland. <laughs> yes, Rasta. <laughs> I tell, you. I tell you. Choo-choo. Henry K. Production. Henry K.
1: production.
0: Have a nice day Mr. Henry, the Henry, the Henry.